Alright, so uh, take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. As you know, we started a new series a few weeks ago on the Bible that Jesus read. The Bible that Jesus read. I think you should know by now we're talking about what we call the Old Testament. And we're going through some of the great stories in the Old Testament. And just to bring you up to date, uh, we first of all talked about Jonah. And Jonah was a prophet who had a heart problem. And we find all through the book of Jonah, God had a plan for him. He had a message. He had a a job for him to do. And Jonah, uh, as he began to think about that, his heart wasn't right. And he didn't love those people. He didn't want to see the people saved that God wanted to see saved. And so, really, all through the book of Jonah, it's really the story of Jonah wrestling with his heart problem. And to be honest with you, when we get to the end of Jonah, I don't know that he's ever got it straight. He just kind of leaves us hanging. And we don't know if Jonah ever got his heart straightened out. And then, of course, last Sunday we talked about Habakkuk. And Habakkuk didn't have a heart problem. Habakkuk had a head problem. If you remember Habakkuk, his problem was he didn't understand. You remember he had two questions for God. His first question was, God, our world and my country and my society is in such a mess. Why don't you do something? And God answered and said, I am going to do something. And then when Habakkuk learned what God was going to do, he said, Lord, please don't do that. Why in the world would you do that? You see, Habakkuk's problem was he didn't understand God. And that was the whole story in the book of Habakkuk was what to do when God doesn't make sense. What to do when we don't understand what God is doing. And by the way, I think the last few verses of the book of Habakkuk is, are, they're one of the, they're some of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, some of the most encouraging verses in Scripture. You know, and I'd encourage you to go back and reread and be encouraged by that. Well, today we are in a different prophet. We are going to talk about a man by the name of Daniel. Now, Daniel did not have a heart problem, Daniel did not have a head problem. What Daniel had was a hostility problem. Daniel's problem was he lived in a hostile environment. You know, I love history, so let me give you just a brief history lesson. You don't get any credits for this. This is just for your own benefit. But if you remember, when we were talking about Jonah, Jonah was around 740 or so B.C. uh, when he was preaching, and he lived in the northern kingdom of Israel, and he was sent to preach to the Assyrians. And he didn't like them because they were the enemies of his people. Well, you know, the Assyrians did come in and they uh, conquered uh, the people of Israel. And then we find that uh, there was another empire that came along named the Babylonians. And that's when Habakkuk was living in about 605 B.C. He was in the southern kingdom of Judah where Jerusalem was. And it was the Babylonians that God was going to send to conquer his people and judge his people, and that's what he didn't understand. They were such a wicked people. Well, in 605 B.C., they did come, and they conquered Jerusalem. And they carried off many of the nobles and important young men because they said these are intelligent people, these are are the upper crust of society. We're going to take them back to Babylon, and I think we can retrain them. Uh, You know, we're going to brainwash them, if you will. We're going to turn them into good Babylonians, and we're going to use their intelligence and their talents to help us build our empire. So that's what they did. And one of the young men that they carried back in 605 or so B.C. was a man named Daniel. Remember, I shared with you, if you remember, that he was a contemporary with Habakkuk. So Daniel was taken off to Babylon by the Babylonians, 
And uh, he came, and all through the first few chapters of Daniel, we read about Daniel and his three friends. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Those were the names the Babylonians gave them. Those weren't their Hebrew names, but we remember them by the names the Babylonians gave them. And so this the story of Daniel. He probably was not even 20. We don't know how old he was. Probably a, a very young man, though, when he was hauled off into captivity. Because now in Daniel chapter 6, a new empire has come on the scene. The Medes and the Persians, what we know as the Persian Empire. And I shared a little bit about with you, a little bit about them with you last Sunday when Habakkuk was talking about the judgment that was going to fall upon the Babylonians. Remember when that judgment came, you'll find it in Daniel chapter 5, they were having a great party. And they were drinking and all getting drunk and they brought in some of the golden goblets they had stolen from the house of God and they began to to drink and to sacrifice to their gods. And the Bible says that a hand began to write upon the wall. And you all know the story of the handwriting on the wall. As a matter of fact, we use that phrase in our modern culture. Well, that's the handwriting on the wall. Well, what do you mean when you say that? You mean that that is a sign that things are about to, something bad is about to happen. And that's exactly what it was. You remember that handwriting on the wall said that you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And that your kingdom is going to be separated from you. And that very night, history tells us it was in 539 B.C., the Persian Empire came in and conquered Babylon. And guess who was there in 539 B.C. when that happened? It was Daniel. Now think about it. That's been 65 or so years since Daniel was hauled off into captivity. He was a young man when the Babylonians carried him into captivity. Now he's probably around 80 a little over 80 years old. And all of his life, his adult life, Daniel has served in a foreign land. He has been surrounded by people who did not know his God. He's had to live as a follower of Jehovah in a hostile environment. And all through the first part of Daniel, we find that he rose to a very high rank in the, in the Babylonian hierarchy. Why? Because he was a man of integrity. Although they worshipped different gods than Daniel did, Daniel never compromised his faith. And he was a man of great integrity and had a great witness so that when the Persians came in and they conquered the Babylonians, the, the king of the Persians, he looked at Daniel and he said, now there's a man, he's, he's over 80, and here's a man that I believe will be useful to my kingdom. And that's where we pick up the story. So what we want to talk about this morning is how to live out your faith in a hostile environment. How to live out your faith in a hostile environment. Now, Brother Ron, you know, he comes from over in the Middle East serving the Lord over there. And uh, many of you know that he can, has shared with us a lot of what people go through in that part of the world. And you know, in America, we certainly have thought about ourselves being a Christian nation, and we have been. But I would tell you that there... It will always be persecution, whether it's in America or wherever it is, if you truly sell out to God and you decide that you're going to serve Him with all that you have. Because the devil doesn't like that. And he'll raise up people even who are good-meaning people, people perhaps even within your own family. Why, Jesus Himself, you know, uh, He faced that persecution. He said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own people. Sometimes people that love you and care about you, they won't see what you want to do for God. They won't understand it. And they can, can perhaps 
unknowingly persecute you and give you trouble for trying to do what God has called you to do. So everybody, if you truly want to serve God, you are going to face hostility at some point or another. So let's see what Daniel did and how Daniel lived out his faith in a hostile environment. Notice in Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1, So it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, this is the Persian kingdom now, after he's conquered Babylon, 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now the first thing I want you to notice is the calling that Daniel possessed. Remember that Daniel was over 80 years old, most likely. He was an old man, certainly, when this happened. He had not gone home to his rocking chair. Daniel was still very active. And here he has a calling from God. Listen, when we talk about having a calling from God, most people think about me or they think about a missionary and they say, well, you know, God hadn't called me to be a preacher or He hadn't called me to be a missionary. The Bible is very clear. If you are a Christian, you have a calling from God. Everybody here has a calling from God. You have a purpose. God designed and created you for a special purpose. And God has called you to whatever it is that you're doing. If you are a mother or a father or a teacher or a farmer, whatever it is that you do, you have a calling from God. Now, that might not be all that God has called you to do. He may have something more for you in the future. He may be dealing with you right now in your heart about something He wants you to do. But everybody has a calling. There's a reason that God put you onto this earth. There's a reason that you're breathing. There's a reason that you are breathing right now. You know, our life comes from God, and God has a purpose. Every young person here, God has a purpose for you. Every old person here, remember, I think this is very important. Daniel was, again, an 80 year old man. Think about this for a moment. Think of some people in your life that your only memory of them is old. All you remember, you know, I mean, I know people that have been old all my life, and I'm 55 years old. I think about people that I I have thought were old all my life. They really weren't old, but in my mind, that's how I see them. But think about people that impacted you, and for many of us, it will be people who have already gone on to their reward, people that we knew as a child, and we only knew them as old people. Did they not impact your life? Aren't you glad that that they did not stop and just go and... And, and become a hermit somewhere and not have anything to do with anybody. They interacted with people and they impacted people's lives, including your life. So, dear friend, you're here this morning. I see a few gray heads out there and some that should be gray, but with the help of modern chemicals, they're not. <laughs> I see some of you out there like that. God's not through with you. You're able to get out and come sit down in this church this morning. You can breathe. You may have had an ache or two when you got out of bed and tried to open up your medicine bottle. Your arthritis may have bothered you. But you're still here. And so don't ever think that God is through. When He's through with you, you'll know it. Well, you won't know it, but the people that come pick you up and take you to the funeral home, they'll know it. You won't have to worry about it when God is through with you. So Daniel was an old man. He had a calling on his life. Even as an 80-plus-year-old man, Daniel was still 
in the fight. The Bible says in Colossians 3.22, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Very interesting that God chose to speak to those who were the lowest class in society, the slaves, when He said, Servants, be obedient to your master, and whatever you do, if it's sweeping the floor, if it's working in a field, some menial task that seemingly has no importance and will not be remembered by anyone, the Apostle Paul says, Listen, you are not working for man. If you are a believer, if you're sweeping that floor, if you're polishing that cup, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for God. Do it the very best of your ability. Do it heartily as under the Lord. Do you know how Daniel rose through both the Babylonian Empire and now in the Persian Empire? He didn't do it by being lazy. He didn't do it by simply working when someone was watching. He did it by being a man of integrity. He did it by being a person who did everything he did to the very best of his ability. Now, we all have different abilities. Everybody's not going to be a superstar. But you can be the best at whatever you are. You can be the best at whoever God made you. So Daniel had a calling and he was faithful from the time he was taken off into captivity, probably as a teenager, to the time now that he's 80 plus years old, he had a calling and he was faithful to that calling. So number one, we're talking about having to live in a hostile environment. The first thing you do is you do your very best. You're not intimidated by the fact that others don't like you. Others may be critical of you. Others say you should have did it this way or whatever. You do it to the very best of your ability. And so that was what Daniel was doing. Well, notice there in number verse number 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now your first thought might be, Well, now what, you know, what's Daniel done to these folks? He's 80 plus years of age. You know, what do they have against Daniel? I thought it was interesting. Um, I, I watch the news occasionally, as some of you may know. And uh, I saw on the Democratic debate, they were talking about how that one of the candidates, Senator Warren, all of a sudden was the target of a lot of attacks. And nobody had been attacking her before. And you know why? They said because she's now risen in the polls and considered to be the front runner. So now everybody's trying to find out, you know, how can we take her down a notch? You know, she's, she's up ahead, so we got to take her down a notch. Well, look here at Daniel. He's one of three people who the king has placed in a place of prominence. And other folks say, I, I should have gotten that. I should be in that position. I've been, you know... I deserve that. We've got to find something wrong. We've got to smear this guy, Daniel. We've got to somehow put some criticism on him so that the king will think twice about putting him, maybe removing from that position. Then we can have that position. A little intrigue going on. So that's their whole purpose. They're selfish and they want to have the position he has. So they're thinking, let's smear him. What have we got on Daniel? It was the ancient equivalent of opposition research. They put their opposition research out and they said, we've got to dig up some dirt on Daniel. Well, they come back and they said, i got bad news for you. We can't find any dirt. 
on Daniel. Only thing we can find about Daniel, he's, he's honest, he does the, his job well, there's no stain of, of corruption on him. But here's one thing we think we may be able to find. He is very devout concerning his God. He is very devout concerning his God. So I think if we can find a contradiction between his faith and his allegiance to the king, that's his Achilles heel. That's how we're going to take him down. Somehow, from what I know about Daniel, he is not going to compromise his faith. So if we can somehow bring his faith in opposition to the king, then I think we've got him. And that's exactly, that is exactly uh, what they did. And, And I'm just amazed not only by Daniel as we look at his calling, but amazed at his conviction. To think about a man that is 80 plus years of age, you know, most of us have a hard time convincing our friends that we're good folks. Daniel's enemies come to the conclusion that he's a good guy. He is a good guy. Think about the conviction that this man had to have lived his life all the way at the age of 80 and somebody who desperately wants to find something bad to say about him says, I I can't find anything. I can't find anything bad about this man Daniel. What a man of conviction. I love what Titus says over in Titus chapter 2, verse. or actually Paul says in his letter to Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 7. He says, In everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us And then he goes on to, actually, over in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verses 12 through 20, or verse 12, he says, All things are lawful, but all things are not helpful. So you have there in Titus a command by Paul that we should live a life that gives honor to God. Now, I know that nobody's perfect, but God is saying, listen, we're talking about how to live, how to live out your faith in a hostile environment. And you need to recognize In a hostile environment, people are looking for weaknesses. You're trying to convince them that your way is right. You're trying to tell them and point them to Jesus. And as a person of the world, they don't want to hear about Jesus. They are looking for an excuse not to believe what you're telling them. And listen, if what we say is true, and I believe with all my heart it is, not only are we speaking that word to them, but the Holy Spirit is working in their heart, convicting them, and they're under conviction, and they're looking for a reason not to believe. And they're desperately looking at the mouthpiece, the person who is sharing the gospel with them, trying to find something wrong in your life or in my life, so they can say, well, hey, there's no reason for me to believe what you say. Look at you. Look at you. Well, certainly we can't be perfect, but we are called. Remember, Daniel had a call. And not only did he have a call, but he had a conviction to live out his faith, to live out his calling with the help of God to the very best of his ability. So listen, don't shortchange yourself. Don't give in to low expectations. Don't say, well, we're all human. Don't give in to that. And if you've got a problem, you're doing something you know is not right, don't give up and say, I can never quit doing this. I've just, I've just got this problem. I'll never be able to get better. We can get better. We can get better with God's help. Don't give in to low expectations. I mean, I've shared this before, but you know, I think about some of the teachers I had growing up. And you know, the ones that I remember are the ones that called me to do the very best that I can. I didn't like them at the time. I won't say I hated them, but it was close. I mean, they made me work. I couldn't just 
just put it on cruise control. I love cruise control when I was in school. You know, Lloyd, we first met in college in a class. I didn't have a book in the class we were in, economics, because they had all sold out. I was last minute. You know, I went at the last minute to buy my book, and they were all gone. So I had to go the first three weeks or two weeks without a book. So Lloyd said, she told me this later. I sat by her in that class before we were dating, and uh, she said, you know, I thought, this boy, he's so pitiful. <laughs> it was all an act, actually. said, he's sitting here, and his mom and daddy are sending him to college, and he's, he don't even have a book. He don't even have a book. You know, he's just wasting time up here, joking around. He don't even have, but I was listening in class. I was taking notes. And she said, you know, when the first test come, he made higher than I did on the test. Because I, I was listening. I was taking book. I was taking notes. Let me get back on track before I get lost. I get talking about Loy. I get all confused on it. You can tell her that. But don't give in to low expectations spiritually. Don't put it on cruise control spiritually. Daniel had a calling and he had a conviction and God had called him to be the very best that he could be and he was fulfilling that conviction. Well, notice what happened next, of course, as we go through uh, Daniel's story there. If you look there in verse number 6, he had a confrontation. It said, So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps and the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree." Now, not only was it a confrontation, but we could say it was a conspiracy behind Daniel's back. He certainly wasn't involved. They said, we've all got together. You know, that's one of those little white lies. They came to the king and said, well, we've all got together. King, we're all in agreement. And they forgot to mention that Daniel wasn't present. It was a meeting without Daniel. He did not give his approval, one of the three satraps, but... But they just laid it out and made out like everybody was in agreement. Hey, we just want to honor you. You're such a great king. By the way, flattery always opens the door for trouble. And that's what they say. Oh, you're such a great king. We just want to honor you. And and so for 30 days, nobody can ask any petition of any man or God but you. Just to show how powerful you are. That, that, That you are in all power and have all authority in this kingdom. So he says, hey, it sounds like a good idea. So he signed off on it. So here we have the confrontation uh, for Daniel. And, and Daniel is learning and about to learn that in anything that you do, as Paul told Second Timothy in chapter 3, uh, he says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so he reminds Timothy there that, listen, if you decide you're going to follow God, as I said earlier, you're going to have persecution. So Daniel now is confronted. He's trying to live a good, holy life, and he has for 80 years. He's following God's law. And, you know, I guess he could have been bitter and say, you know, why why are people always picking on me? I'm I'm doing the best I can. I mean, why, why doesn't God let people leave me alone? But that's not Daniel. Daniel is confronted. And notice his reaction in verse number 10. It obviously is a reaction of courage. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, 
he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Daniel was a man with a calling, just as you and I are men and women with calling. He was a man who lived out that calling with conviction. He was a man who did not shrink from confrontation because it came because of his conviction. And he faced it now in this passage with courage. He knew what that meant, but he didn't hide his faith. He didn't flaunt his faith. He didn't do anything to antagonize the king. He just did what he always did. He always prayed. Three times a day, he always opened his window. And he gave thanks to God. And he remembered, remember he was an old man. He was a teenager when he was taken from Jerusalem. But he still opened his window toward Jerusalem. He remembered the God of his youth in his old age. And he prayed toward Jerusalem. And with great courage, he continued steadfastly in his faith. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ, there's going to come a time in your walk with God when you're going to have to make a choice between cowardice and courage. When you're going to have to make a choice. When everybody's going to say, listen, you know, that's not the cool thing. Or or, or, listen, you know, if you don't do this, you know, you're you're really not going to advance anymore. You're going to have to compromise and kind of get involved in this shady operation. There's There's going to come an opportunity. There's going to come a time. It's going to come as Daniel had already faced several times in his life. He was an old man now. It was almost like he was used to it. You know, you can make bad habits or good habits. And Daniel had made some good habits. Good habits of making the right choice. And he says, listen, I'm an old man. You know, I'm going to keep praying. I've served God all these years, and if they want to throw me to the lines, so be it. I'm going to have courage, and I'm going to obey the Lord. I love uh, what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in all I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now as Christians, you know, I heard one man say one time, and and I, I thought it was pretty good, he says, we're the salt of the earth. We're not called to rub salt in people's eyes, okay? We're not called to antagonize people for no reason. But we are called to be bold, to be courageous, not to shrink from confrontation when that confrontation arises because of our stand upon the Word of God. And Daniel was standing on the Word of God, on the principle of God. He had no desire to come in conflict with, conflict with the king. He desired to serve the king in an honorable way. But he was not going to compromise God's law. And here he was placed in a position where he had only two choices. Disobey the king or compromise the law of God. And he courageously chose to boldly stand and not compromise the Word of God. He was very consistent in that. I, I love how it says there in the latter part of verse 10, as was his custom since early days. And verse 13 says, 
He says, this man, Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, he does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. They used his consistency against him. Now, he had always done that. He wasn't doing anything to antagonize the king. He was just being consistent in his lifestyle, consistent in his walk. You know, if there's one thing the devil can't stand, it's consistency. Again, you don't have to be a superstar. As a matter of fact, as they used to say, it doesn't matter how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. So don't worry about how high you jump, but do be concerned about how straight you walk when you hit the ground. I've told this story numerous times, but I love it. Uh, about back in western days, little boy went to town. He had an old broken down mare, you know, the kind kind of swayed in the back and just a terrible looking old horse, old and wore out. And he took the horse to town and he tied the horse up and went in to get whatever his parents had sent him after. He come back out and there was some young cowboys out there. They all had, you know, fast horses and they were rounding up cows. And they looked at the little boy's horse and they started laughing at him. They said, Boy, can that horse run fast? And, you know, just all busted out laughing, knowing that he couldn't. Little boy got loaded up his stuff on the back of the horse. and He said, boy, did you hear me? I said, can your horse run fast? He said, no, sir, but he can stand fast. And, boy, that we had more Christians who weren't so concerned about how fast they could run, but how firmly they could stand. We're always thinking, boy, if I was just way out, if I was was over in the Middle East, if I was over here, boy, I could do a lot for God somewhere. Well, if you're not doing anything for God right now, it's very doubtful you'll do anything for God anyplace else or anytime else. You're where you are because God has placed you there. Wherever you are, whatever situation you are in, stand fast. Be who God has called you to be. That's all God asks of you. He doesn't ask you to do the miraculous. He doesn't ask you to part the Red Sea. He just says, wherever you are, stand fast. Put on the armor. Whatever battle you're fighting, stand fast. Whatever it is you're wrestling with, stand fast wherever you are. Whatever you're doing, stand fast and do the very best you can wherever you are. That's what Daniel did. He stood fast. He was courageous and he was consistent. Now, of course, we know the story that all of us learned, I'm sure, in Sunday school. Verse 14. And the king, when he had heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, and that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. There's no sign that Daniel tried to get out of his punishment. There's a sign certainly that the king, not understanding, realizing he had been duped, finally. Boy, this was all a trap. Why didn't I see it? Blinded by his own pride, the king had not realized what he had done and he sought for some loophole to get his friend and his great 
helper, employee, if you want to call him that, his, his subject, Daniel, out of that death sentence, but there was no way. And the lawyers came to him and said, Now, King, you know, it is against our law to change a law. The law cannot be changed. So, Daniel is calm. I don't, did you get that photo working there, Chris? Put that photo up. I, there, there's a painting from many, many years ago. and uh, I love this painting of Daniel in the lion's den. Obviously, nobody knows. But I think this captures the picture we have. I love this picture for a couple of reasons. One, the very first time I ever saw this picture, I was a child. And I may have shared this with you before, but my grandfather used to have a, one of the great big Bibles. You know, and, and he would sit and read that Bible you know, as he was old in years and couldn't see very well. And it had pictures, you know, a lot of old paintings in the middle of the Bible. And this was one of the paintings. And I remember what, looking at this painting. But as I've grown older and been able to think more about this painting, I think it captures everything we need to know about Daniel in that picture. Notice that Daniel has his focus on God. Notice that his, the danger that he faces, he has his back to the danger. He's not concerned. He's not focused. He, he, now listen, I'm preaching faith, but God would have to help me because I'm afraid if I were in the lion's den, I would be like, you know, you go into a restaurant, you get in the corner where you can see everybody coming. Well, I'd be in the corner facing the lions, saying, I'm not going to sleep. But here's Daniel. His eyes are on God. His back is upon the danger that he faces. The lion's prey who met their fate before him lay scattered. Their bones are chewed up. They're on the floor between him and the lion. So certainly he knows that these are man-eating lions. These guys know what to do with the human body when they have one at their disposal. But that was meant to give him fear, but he's not fearful. The lions, it's like there's a wall between them and Daniel. They're kind of circling. They'd like to get to him. They're licking their chops. They've tasted human flesh before, and they like the way it tastes. They say, well, he's a little old, probably a little tough, but we'll take what we can get. And, and, and they're, want, they're, they're wanting to get to him, but there's something, they're just not quite able to do it. Something is protecting Daniel. But his, his eyes are focused on God. What a wonderful lesson. Whatever conflict you're facing, don't take your eyes off God. Don't focus on the problem. Don't look the lion in the eye. Don't look him in the eye. Look God in the eye. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes focused on Him. Not on the danger. Not on the struggle. Not on the temptation. But keep your eyes focused on Him. The calmness Daniel had. Notice his confession. Our last thought here. Look there in verse number 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he had come to the den, he cried out with a loud, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Can't you hear the suspense? In the king, he, he doesn't know if he's going to get an answer or not. I think that confession the king made earlier that your God will deliver you was more hopeful than faithful. That was all the king had left. He had exhausted every other means of saving his friend Daniel. He could exhaust all... You know, I don't like this saying, but it's kind of like all he had, all he had left now was prayer. 
That's really all he had. As if that wasn't enough. But that was all he had. In a hopeful tone, he says, your God will deliver you. So now he comes back the next morning with a lamenting voice, crying and shaking. Has your God been able to deliver you? Daniel, are you there? Wondering if he will hear a roar or maybe a contented meow from a lion. You know, that rumble they get when they're full. You know, I don't know what it sounds like for a big lion to purr, but it's got to be kind of scary, kind of a deep cat purr, I would imagine. Not knowing if that was what he was going to hear or Daniel's voice in verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. That's Daniel's confession. The last part this morning, Daniel's confession. My God sent His angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before Him and also, O King, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury Whatever was found on him, and I love this last phrase, because he believed in his God. He believed in his God. How to live out our faith in a hostile environment. I'll tell you how not to do it. Don't lash out with anger at those that... You don't see Daniel doing that. Don't view those that are attacking you as your enemy... Don't lash out. Don't use the weapons of the flesh to fight those who are your enemies. But use the weapons of the Spirit that I read earlier. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. And what is the last confession we have about Daniel? Because he believed in his God. Just close the sermon with this picture of Daniel. With his face looking out the window focused on God I don't know what you're facing what hostility you're facing but I want to encourage you today don't look at the line don't listen to the roar focus on God keep your faith in him keep spiritually focused on God let's pray father we thank you for this lesson from your word of your servant Daniel, who though an old man did not quake or fear at the confrontation and the hostility that he faced, nor did he lash out in anger. He simply was courageous and consistent and kept his eye upon you and continued to serve you in spirit and in truth, no matter what the consequences. Oh God, I pray that you would put within each of us a holy boldness that we would be filled with your Spirit and be bold to obey you, to be men and women of integrity, to ask you to cleanse us from all that might be unpleasing to you and that would get in the way of our witness. And God, I pray that we would face whatever hostility, whatever tribulation or persecution we encounter. We would face it with the grace and the faith and the peace of Daniel. We know he found that peace in you and we ask you to give us that peace today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
as we stand and sing a hymn of invitation, if God has spoken to your heart this morning, maybe you've never made a public profession of Christ as Savior, I invite you to come, or you want to come join our fellowship, or you simply want to come pray. You just obey the Holy Spirit as we sing this morning.